Hello and welcome to Hong Kong Heritage. This week there's both a sports and a Nepalese theme. Later in the programme I head to Kowloon Park Sports Centre to join Sudhir Kumar Gurung, the Commissioner of the Hong Kong Nepalese Taekwondo Association and the other instructors who volunteer their time to teach children this martial art. What we do, we have a twice-a-week class in here, Saturday and Sunday. It seems pretty tough, I mean, the way that everybody is made to do 25 press-ups. <laughs> so they have to do it, as a, as a, uh, because uh, every three months we have upgrading taste. Uh, they have to perform uh, at least 20 push-ups. Even the kids, uh, the women, uh, girls. Uh, so if they do regular exercise, they can do it, yeah. But first, I head to Quarry Bay Park to a football training session with the Gurkha International Football Club team managers, Hem Tapper and Praveen Tapper. It's a baking hot day, but it doesn't dent the players' passion for the game, as I get to watch on the sidelines. Here's Hem Tapper. We are just having a, some type of training session. We have around, I think, 21 players. And Sunday, like uh, most of them have their holidays, so they are available. Other days, uh, it's quite difficult. Most of them work. So what are the teams called that we're looking at here? Our club is called uh, Gorka International Football Club. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Also on the back of your shirt, yes. Yes. Yeah. So the Gurkha International Football Club, when was that set up? Unofficially, we started playing long time back in 2008. Then we like we we thought it would be better if we could form a team like join uh, some kind of league like a Yawi amateur league. So what is Gurkha International? Well, uh, it's basically just our company name. Our company also acts as a sponsor for the team and pays some fees to uh, support financially, like shirts, like uh, booking, pitch booking fees, uh, those kind of things. So, I mean, Gurkha International provides a lot of, so it'll be uh, Nepalese men both here and in Nepal to provide staff for shipping crews and security. Uh, right, shipping crews is only from Nepal. Uh, yes. For in Hong Kong, it's just a security, basic uh, guarding services company. Uh, providing security services to different clients. Have you played football all your life then? Yes, most of them are like uh, <laughs> football uh, crazy, uh, like diehard. Uh, so we, we just set up the team to like t- test our ability and just to produce, if we can, like good young players. It's also, I mean, I, I would imagine it's, it's good to keep everybody healthy. That's uh, correct. It keeps them with a mission. Yes, also. And also keep them away from like bad habits, uh, bad company and and give them some uh, healthy uh, like uh, exercise uh, once in a while we get together friends uh, those kind of things, yeah. well it's certainly healthy exercise today it's, it's <laughs> boiling hot here we're, we're actually standing in the shade as the as the players hair around but um yeah and you're able to get i mean quarry bay pitches are quite uh, quite tough to get hold of so we've got 90 minutes today so yes. we'll watch them play uh, as we talk now you were um, born and grew up in hong kong that's correct. Yes, I was born in Hong Kong. Yes, my father was stationed in the British Army in Hong Kong. So, uh, yeah, so in Sekong. Sekong, right? Yeah, and most of them are either born in Hong Kong or they are dependent of their Hong Kong-born wives. And one way or another, they are connected with the ex-British Army Gorkas. So, because of them, we are here in Hong Kong. So how many Hong Kong Nepalese football teams are there? There are many. There are more than 20. And they host tournaments, but only in the hard pitch, cemented pitch, because it's easier to. Get, it's very tough to get these uh, artificial pitches in Hong Kong. So there are other good teams, better teams than us, who only play in the hard pitches. So, so I mean, basically, this is on AstroTurf. Yes, AstroTurf, um, correct. But, yeah. but so what do you mean? That other times you're playing on concrete? Uh, concrete, yeah. yeah uh, not us. Uh, other, other Nepalese uh, teams and clubs. In comparison, I mean, if you're playing on AstroTurf, at least yeah. that's 
similar to grass, but I right. mean, if you if you're playing on concrete, that's a whole different game. Yeah, it's whole very, different very, game. Very, very bouncy. Yes, and it affects our ability to play in the league. So mostly we do, we do not play in the hard concrete pitches. So you have 20 teams. Is that so? Do you have a Nepalese league, or do you then play with other Hong Kong teams? Only among the Hong Kong like Nepalese clubs. Uh, uh, we are the only club we are, uh, that's playing in the Yawi League, the first and only pure uh, Nepalese club in the Yawi League. And uh, last year, we started from fourth division. Then, fortunately, we were the champions. And then we are now promoted to third division from the next season. So that, that's quite... Of, uh, of Hong Kong? Yes, right. in the Yawi League. And what position do you normally play? Uh, myself, I'm, I'm a, like a utility player, sometimes goalkeeper, sometimes a defender. It, it depends because I'm an older member of the club, so I, I do not play much. We have young players. <laughs> but do you help with coaching? And... Sure, uh, coaching and the management aspect of the club. Yeah. So they're straight out on the pitch, I mean, but do you also do have t- times when they're just doing stretching and exercises, or is it mostly just get out there and play? Our official training is every Wednesday night. We play in the Kings Park in Jordan. That's the like, pure training. So this is just like a first game in the off-season, so we're just testing our fitness, how, how the players are coping after the season. And how they're uh, in... coping at about 30 degrees plus, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nepalese are quite uh, <laughs> strong, so they don't mind. As long as they, they, are, they have the peace to play football, so it's no problem for us. Do you have women players? We have in the other Nepalese clubs, but our club is just a men's, men's only club. But you do have women football yes, play- yes, players yes, as well, that's yes, great. We, we do have, yes. And also volleyball players. The, most of our players are construction workers. Some are construction workers and some are working in the restaurant side of things in Hong Kong. But you were saying that they also do volleyball? Yes, I think there, there are more volleyball tournaments than football tournaments in Hong Kong. Like, uh, it's, usually they play in Chunmun, there's uh, one volleyball court there. Our Nepalese organisations are frequently they are organising the uh, volleyball tournament. Now, back to you. Yeah. So, where did you spend your childhood then? Was that a, a government school up at Sekong? Yes, uh, army school. Then I went back to Nepal. Then I went to India for further studies. After I finished my studies, I came back to Hong Kong <laughs> in uh, 1997, uh, just, just before the handover. And you've stayed since? Yes. Uh, so, what, what was your studies in? I studied commerce, Bachelor of Commerce. My name is Praveen Thapa. I'm also part of this team. We started in 2008. So we were young that time, but probably slowly, we thought we start develop a team, which can like participate in Hong Kong and especially our young generations. That time, we had a lot of bad things coming up. Drugs things are coming with the young kids, and then they are not having good life because they are very hard to adapt the life here because everything was new and schooling was very difficult because they can't speak Cantonese. And then we thought that why don't we develop a team and then we show them something around Hong Kong and then try to give a better life. At least sports is a good way of giving them our future. So we started as a team and slowly we developed. It took us 10 years to develop a team. Now we are here in Hong Kong as a, as we call it in our community, in Nepalese community, we are one of the reputed football team. And then now we are playing in one of the best amateur league in Hong Kong. We as Nepalese, him and myself, we are trying to promote our minority, ethnic minority, our society to come up in the sports. Well, you two must be very proud, actually. I mean, in 10 years, that's a lot of hard work. I mean, you've got your day jobs to do. Yeah, uh, to be very frank, me and him, we started in the same company, Gorkha International. And that time, we used to just play football. And then 
him and me. Uh, I studied in India, and then when I come up Hong Kong, it was very hard for us to go out and and have some football games like that. So slowly we started uh, playing in a hard pitch ground, which is called it concrete ground. And yeah, then, I was going to say. I mean, if I can interrupt you, that that um, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, I thought of astroturf already being different from grass, but um, and also, I mean, if you were in India, surely you would, what were you playing on there? Yeah, I used to play in the grass. Yes, uh, probably it's an eleven-side football. And in football Nepal, pitch. you play on grass. Surely. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you play on concrete? It was actually. Like, but it's, was, it's like football, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a difference. Like if you play cricket. It's a, it's a test match and a 2020. It's a, exactly the same difference in a, in a playing in a grass or astroturf and playing the hard hard pitch. So there's a lot of difference. And then a lot of our young, in my my time of age, most of them get injured, have the knee problems, have the back problems. And then we thought that why don't we go up something different? And then actually that time we don't know how to book the pitches. We don't have any ideas and how we gonna go further. What we gonna do? So we start searching in the internet, and then I found one sports club called Central Sports, and they're gonna hire us pitch on the weekly payment basis. And then our first game was started in this pitch, and then slowly we started getting ideas of how to get it, and then we started booking ourselves, and then regularly we start playing, and then we can say that almost 10 years now we're regularly playing, and then. We had a chance to get in Yowie League. You've basically been raising money for the kit, for the yes. to hire yeah. the pitch, yeah. and also your twenty-five, thirty thousand that you need every year for the Yowie League, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. We locally ask sponsors from some of the companies or some of the bars around in Hong Kong, which is run by Nepalese, to support us as a football team, which is playing in Hong Kong in the better division. And they are happy to help us. So that's the way we generate money for our club. And that's the way we are actually handling all the stuff for the time being. Were you actually born in Hong Kong and then, then left and came yeah, back exactly, again? Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Born in Hong Kong, went back to India, studied up to my graduation there. And what did you study? I studied the Bachelor of Arts in Geography. So after that, I come back to Hong Kong. As I walked here and then everything started. And, and then by the time I come up here, I was already 21, 23. So it's not easy to have football, but we have football in our blood. So by the time we think about preparing a team, I was already 36. That was... That, that was so that's from, ancient for football. <laughs> it, was, it was already out of my age to be a player. So we started generating young teams and then we, we thought that we can help our young generations to be a player to show them the way they can be in Hong Kong there are a lot of ways in Hong Kong they can play they can develop their future they can get better and then and, what, then, and also what, what would you say is your if you if they all love watching the Premier League what would you say is your favorite team there I, I love my favorite is Arsenal <laughs> and there are a lot of have uh, different clubs he, he is a Liverpool fan. There are some <laughs> Manchester United fans, some Italian fans as well. Mm. I'm, I'm Southampton. All oh, right, that's good. <laughs> it's not so good. Huh? They, they, they have like survived this year. <laughs> well, I suppose Probably that's good. Next year they will be much better. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I like your positive outlook. <laughs> so you, um, what sort of work do you do in Hong Kong? Now I've set up my own company. Uh, so I run my own business as a security bodyguard. All the work for our Nepalese as a company. So I run a business for my community to give them job as a human resources. So that's my work. So how was the game today? Uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> Hot. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's really hard in Hong Kong, especially during summer, you know. Yes. So, yeah. The... Now then, can you tell me your name and what you do in Hong Kong? My name is Niranjan. So I moved to Hong Kong five years ago. And I started university uh, after moving to Hong Kong. So I completed my university last year. In what? Accounting. So were you born and grew up in Hong Kong or you just came, came to Hong Kong five years ago? Uh, no, no, I, I came to Hong Kong five years ago. I didn't grow up here. Yeah, so what, where were you before? I was in Nepal. When you play football, so you, you train on a Wednesday and play on a Sunday? Uh, yeah, because actually we started playing amateur league football uh, from 2017. Before that, we used to only play on Sundays, uh, just for fun, just like this. But starting from 2017, we uh, joined the amateur league. So that's why we started training on Wednesdays and playing the game on Sundays. Sundays, so that's how it started, like uh, the amateur league. But before that, we used to just play on Sundays. And what uh, position do you normally play? Uh, when I started first here, I was uh, I used to play midfield, but back then I was pretty slim and I could run. So I guess, <laughs> but now I'm a little fa- uh, fatter. So <laughs> so now I play in the defense. So, yeah. Just got married. Yeah. Ah, I see. So good yeah. food, happiness. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so lots con- of love. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. So how long have you been married then? Uh, been married for. Four months, I guess. Oh, yeah. Wow. A billion years. Yeah. A billion years. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask, is your wife Nepalese or Hong yeah, Kong? Yes, Chinese. Nepalese. Nepalese yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, a completely different tack then. <laughs> Can you, did you have a traditional Nepalese wedding? Yes, we did. Actually, what happened was my family and her family, they're both here in Hong Kong, but most of our relatives are back in Nepal, so both of our families went back to Nepal in February, and we had the wedding ceremony and we got everything done, and then we returned back again to Hong Kong. Can you tell me about the traditional wedding? To be honest, I had no idea how the traditional wedding was until I got married, so I'm pretty... So are you Hindu, Buddhist? It's very complicated because, you know, in Nepal, people tolerate each other a lot more, I think, in Nepal. So most Nepalese are predominantly Hindus, I guess about 80-90%, but there's a small number of Buddhists as well, and then there are some few Muslims and Christians. So my family actually follows both Hindu and Buddhist uh, rituals. So it's a bit complicated, I guess. Mixture of both. Yeah, because originally our people, they are more like Buddhists. They used to follow Buddhists. But since they started living together with Hindu people, I guess they borrowed some of their, you know, rituals. So was your wedding a bit of a mix then? Uh, it, it was actually, yeah, yeah. I think we did more of, more like a Hindu ceremony. But then we also went to the... Buddhist monasteries to pray to, you know, Buddha. How, how were you dressed? Uh, I, I was actually dressed in just a suit. <laughs> but uh, my wife, she was dressed in traditional uh, Hindu saris, you know, the saris. Which you dress. so red? Or? Yeah, yeah, red, exactly, yeah. Uh, and then she had the, was it the tikka? Uh, yeah, the tikka, that's what I put on her, like, you know, forehead. So that's another Hindu custom, which you, because uh, what happens is in Hindu culture, Hindu religion, once a girl get ma- gets married, she puts on a red tikka on her forehead to signify that she's married. So I put that on uh, her forehead on that day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And how did you feel? Uh, Were you nervous or did you enjoy the process? Actually, a little bit overwhelming at first, but then um, I think I started enjoying because what happened was I was together with my uh, wife for like 10 years. We knew each other back from high school. So I was pretty much familiar with her family, her friends, everyone. So I didn't feel too nervous. So for me, it was more enjoyable, I guess. Just meeting people, saying hi to them. And And lots of food. Yeah, exactly. Lots of food. But the thing is, in Hindu marriages, the bride and groom, they're mostly busy with, you know, um, receiving, you know, what we call tea cars from the guests. So we didn't get to eat as much as I guess the guests did. (laughs) 
yeah. So did you? So the actual marriage was in a temple? No, actually, we, it was in a, I guess, in a wedding function venue. Not exactly a temple, but some people they what they do is they go to the temple first, um, get the ritual done, and then they go to the wedding venue. But for us, we just went directly to the wedding venue and got the ceremony done at the place itself. So you two are here in Hong Kong. Have you got so quite a few family members who yeah, are also yeah, here? Do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you've got quite. Yeah, that's quite nice actually. Yeah, I've got yeah. many uncles, cousins, oh. and everything over here. So for me, it's um, like a home in Hong Kong. Yeah. And when a Nepalese guy asks uh, a woman to marry him, mm-hmm. what did what did you do? Was that sort of? I mean, you know, in in well, I mean, it's a bit all cliche, but I mean, in, <laughs> you know, I'd say in Britain, it's sort of like on one knee uh-huh. in a ring, maybe. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. but what? How did you ask her? Uh, it's actually quite different in Nepalese society because um, you know a girl asking boy is still a new idea in um, Nepalese culture because in Nepalese culture uh, similar to in Indian culture what what happens is uh, most marriages are predominantly arranged marriages yeah so mostly what happens is like the parents they try to find a suitable groom or bride for their sons and daughters so the parents they meet first and then you know i guess they exactly yeah they assess each other you know the other family see whether or not they're you know good enough to get married and then once they you know decide that both of them are good yeah and then they ask the boy and girl to you know hey there's a boy so and so and if the boy and girl agree then in most cases they marry otherwise in some cases i guess even force <laughs> yeah and what about but you yours was uh, choice yeah my mine was choice because uh i knew her back from high school so we, we were actually in a relationship before getting married and both of our families uh, are quite understanding so. so did you have to go and ask each side of the family first or uh, did you ask her first no actually <laughs> i didn't even have to ask her because we've known each other for so long then our parents accepted us we didn't have like a formal sit together and you know go ask her but ours was more like an informal way like we just you know okay so we get married and everything like that but my my wife she actually complains about me not you know proposing her the proper way like the you know the western way like you know where you propose them with a ring so well, yeah. perhaps you can do it on the first year anniversary maybe yeah that's what i'm planning to do <laughs> maybe surprise her yeah, yeah. yeah. i hope she doesn't say no then <laughs> i wish i wish yeah my thanks to gurung niranjan and the managers of the gurkha international football club hem tapa and praveen tapa from football to taekwondo as i head over to the kowloon park sports center to join sudhir kumar gurung the commissioner of the hong kong nepalese taekwondo association and the other instructors as they put their young martial arts enthusiasts through their paces the i'm a, uh, one of the member of hskn ta uh, i'm a commissioner of hskn ta hskn ta is an organization we have a different different branches like a four nepalese club exercising a different location like wan chai yunlong chingyi tongchung mount san this kind of uh, different places yeah so you have four nepalese clubs that are part of the hong kong taekwondo association so yeah and they are affiliated with the hong kong nepalese taekwondo association and we are affiliated with the hong kong taekwondo association and so who are the kids who are here today are they are nepalese kids four years to various ages they are a student a nepalese student uh, one and two we have indian origin as well to their siblings what we do we have a twice a week class in here saturday and sunday it seems yeah. pretty tough i mean the way that everybody is made to do 25 press ups is <laughs> <laughs> so they have to do yeah, as a, as a uh, because uh, every three months we have upgrading chase uh, they have to perform uh, at least 20 push up even the kids and uh, the women uh, girls uh, so if they do regular exercise they can do it yeah they're doing that yeah 
And so what's your name? It's uh, Papa Temansi. It's, I'm uh, one of the instructors of our brands. This is our headquarters of uh, Hong Kong Nepalese Taekwondo Association. So we're four instructors here. So I'm one of them. Okay, and what sort of training do you do for the kids? So usually it's like, uh, firstly we do some warming up. After that we teach them some techniques about the Taekwondo. What's special about Taekwondo? You know, I mean, there's lots of sports that Nepalese kids yeah. could choose. Uh, I think the basically Taekwondo is Olympic sport. But basically, Taekwondo we learn, we taught about the discipline. The young generation, they need to learn the discipline. And Taekwondo is a very friendly game. It's not like other kinds of martial arts. It's a very friendly game. And the, uh, we love each other. We promote Taekwondo, stretching. It's good for the mind as well, for their study. And can they also study for different, you know, levels? Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, we start from the white belt. White. white belt is a uh, beginners, the, those who don't do anything, yeah, like you. Uh, and it takes about yeah, all the black belts. Uh, at least it takes about uh, two and a half year minimum to get in, to get in a black belt, two and a half year. The minimum, the maximum, maximum is goes to three, four years. Depends on their level. How long did it take you? Uh, for me to take my black belt uh, is about uh, nearly two and a half year, because I. I learned in the, my uni in Newcastle, in the UK. Ah. Oh, I joined there, actually. Right, right. Yeah. So were you all volunteers? We are all volunteers. Yeah. I'm a construction person. I'm a chartered quantity surveyor. I've done my uh, degree in the UK. So this is uh, my uh, part-time hobby. Like, <laughs> That's good. <getting> <laughs> I noticed that. I mean, I was at football last week, and it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of volunteer work. Oh. So good for you and helping the children. Now, if somebody wanted to join Taekwondo, do they have to be super fit beforehand? They can come very basic. They can join. They can start and they, they can learn. Okay, I'm Sneha, and I have been playing Taekwondo for like almost three years. And Taekwondo have helped me in a lo lot of things. Like you know, uh, it helps in for further like our physical and mental health, and it also helps for our self defense, like especially for the girls. I have been participating in many competitions like sparring and pumse competition. So I have also joined some national game and there was like uh, other games too. But and I have also won uh, like trophies and some medals to get black belts. So, like we have to give nine tests, like operating tests, uh, from starting from white belt to red black we just like have to give a normal like test right so for the what, what's what's involved in the test uh we have to show like self-defense some of the kicks and our pumse so like not our pumse so like we have to show our pattern like according to the belt we have our own pattern right so white belt they have their own pattern for going to black belt like we have to give two exams so how long have you been training two years like almost three years because like three, it, yeah. yeah it will take like three years mm -hmm. for like to become a black belt and then what do you want to do do you carry on or yeah i want to carry on like i have i want to help the young generation yeah. like I, I want to teach them and where do you live in hong kong uh, i just live in jordan and are you born and grew up in hong kong no i was born in nepal and so when did you come to hong kong three years ago and i joined taekwondo 
my name is Bipen Limbu. I enjoy because it uh, stables your um, both mental and physical health. So uh, we can learn discipline too. We can spar. We can uh, we can learn self defense. So whenever something bad happens, we can use our self defense if we need to. Sparring is like we have uh, international games. So sometimes it's in Macau. Sometimes it's in uh, this uh, area. So so far I've only done one sparring and a couple of uh, pumse. And uh, Taekwondo helps you to lose a lot of weight. First, I came uh, here with my dad to uh, just swim. Then I went to this uh, right corner for some reason and I saw Taekwondo uh, just uh, like uh, uh, inside and I instantly fell in love with it. Like I told my dad, I want to join, I want to join. And um, the next Sunday we went up there, uh, up there, there was a class there and my father filled the form for me and I joined. Taekwondo is not easy. I thought it was easy, so when I first joined, when I came out, I was telling my dad, my leg is paining, uh, all my body parts were paining, so. but later on you get used to it as you progress. Hi, so my name is Lisha, I am 14 years old and I come from India. And I joined Taekwondo for to practice self-defense, as, as a girl it's really important that we know how to defend ourselves in the world and there's a lot of different skills we can learn like discipline so you need so we learn how to like behave properly in front of others and like defend ourselves as i said before and we also learn like leadership roles so like how to lead other groups and like teach them teach the younger children about like our skills can you tell me about your background do you mind um yeah so i'm i'm from india i'm indian but I live in Hong Kong, study in Hong Kong. Born and grew up in Hong Kong, but I visit India quite often as an Indian. Is it regarded by other people as the correct sport to do for an Indian girl? Generally, I'm not quite sure, but I think like as the generations are changing, we should learn that everyone has a right to do everything, and like girls are not like should just be doing like dance or anything. We should like go out and like fight different sports. So, yeah. So how long, how far would you like to take this? As far as I can. So black belt? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> in the morning, like uh, in the first uh, few minutes, right? We do warm-ups, right? Like stretching your legs so that you don't get injured, you know? My name is Ava. I am eight years old. I've been playing Taekwondo almost eight years. You're already red-black. That's impressive. So you all come here every Sunday? My thanks to Sudhir Kumar Gurung, the Commissioner of the Hong Kong Nepalese Taekwondo Association, for organising my visit at Kowloon Park Sports Centre. Next week, I hear about the Heard family, an American trading dynasty whose members traded with China in the 19th century. Here's George Cotherley, one of their descendants. So John went back to America, he went to Europe. He was extremely well connected. He was obviously a networker. And on his various trips to Europe, I think during the period that he was doing the China trade actively in China, he went back a couple of times. And being a trader, of course, he was a free trader. And he, when he went to the UK, he was intru- introduced to Cobden and Bright, who were two prominent free traders there. When he was in Rome, he lived next door to the Duke of Wellington, who he <laughs> met and described as a very ordinary, commonplace man. Um, in other words, someone without any airs and graces. And then later on, he lived in the same apartment block uh, in Naples, where William Makepeace Thackeray lived. And Thackeray was writing one of his novels. And when he finished a chapter, he used to call 
John heard up and say, uh, come on, I finished the chapter, uh, let me read it to you. Um, and, he, and he would read his chapters to him and ask for his comments. So he was, uh, despite having had no education beyond 17, he was obviously a very intellectual young man and a very personable young man. So he managed the business until 1861. But during that time, his three other brothers came out uh, one by one and they all had different roles in the business. And when others went back on long leave because they would go back for one or two years, um, then someone else took over the leadership of the, of the business. In the mid-1850s, 1856, the situation in Canton got quite tense and it was no longer desirable to live there. So they moved their business to, well, they already had a branch in Hong Kong, but they moved their headquarters to Hong Kong. They kept a branch in, in Canton, and they had expanded to other cities in China. They had a branch in Macau. They had a lot of agencies throughout China. So they continued to be, be very active indeed. George Coverley there. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>